Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of When in Romance is brought to you by Book Riot Insiders. Pack your, bag your bookish perks with a 14-day free trial of Book Riot Insiders. Sign up for a monthly or yearly novel subscription and the first 14 days are free. You can wishlist upcoming releases you are dying to read. You can get exclusive podcasts and newsletters. You can enter to win swag. You can be a part of the new release index, which is curated by Book Riot's own All the Books host, Liberty Hardy, which will keep you help you keep track of the most exciting upcoming books. Come on in to Book Riot Insiders. Your bag of bookish perks is waiting. Go to bookriot.com slash insiders to find out more. Hello and welcome to When in Romance, your favorite place for stuff about romance novels and occasionally other things, but mostly the books. All of it fiction. Uh, I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And I was thinking about that fiction-only disclaimer last week, Jess, because I have to be honest, I gave some pretty good relationship advice to someone. Um, we always run long, so I won't get into the details, but <laughs> I will just say, uh, maybe another podcast another time. Maybe one of those Book Riot Insider podcasts that we were talking about. Oh, man. Um, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to see where, where the world takes us. But you, you are right. Generally, it's all the books. It's all the fiction. Yeah. So who's to say? We have... Uh, we have a very full agenda today. We I'm do. very excited. I am too. I am too. Um, and we have to start with a little bit of follow-up because I, you are all the most wonderful because I asked for recommendations. I asked for a little bit of help. Sometimes you have to know when to ask for help from your friends, Jess. <laughs> and I asked for a little help uh, meeting my New Year's resolution because it's only November 1st. We're recording on November 1st. There's still... One full sixth of 2018 left to go, mm-hmm. and I still have some work to do in um, meeting my resolutions. So I asked for a little bit of help in getting some science fiction, fantasy, and paranormal recommendations. And many thanks to Sarah, Clem, Lindsay. Oh, my phone is not scrolling. Oh, hold on. All of there are more people who helped me. Oh, there they are. Summer, Julia, and Mariana, who all were very helpful in um, making recommendations. If I missed anyone, I apologize. But um, all of you sent uh, a variety of recommendations. They were super helpful. We don't have time to for me to list all of them because that is how helpful all of you were. <laughs> I will say the book that I got um, recommended multiple times was "Burn for Me" by uh, Iona Andrews. Ooh. Uh, Although someone, I think it was Julia, did warn me that the series that that is the first book in is addictive. So I don't know if I should start with that one because I don't know if I'll get to the others. But my hope is to read at least one book from each recommendor, um, at least within the next, hopefully, two months, Mm -hmm. but certainly within the next few months. Uh, So you guys have made me very um, optimistic about being able to meet at least uh, get make some good progress on my my new year's resolution uh from 10 months ago to read more um outside of my own personal romance box so huge thanks to all of you for that awesome look at the romance world sharing the love sharing the books all the books exactly and it's fun right like it's fun to it's always cool to get first person recommendations and hear what people are excited about and it was really cool too to have people talk about what made them excited about different books and what they liked about them. And, you know, oh, this is the fifth book in the series, but it's okay. You can start here and all of that stuff was, was very cool. So yeah, uh, huge thanks again. Absolutely. And honestly, second to Book Riot, really like Twitter, I was going to say other social media too, but really Twitter, like some Instagram, but really Twitter is where I get a lot of book recommendations, especially for new authors, because it's like, have you heard of this person? They are amazing. And then all of a sudden I own their entire canon. <laughs> uh, will, will you be getting some book recommendations from Twitter this month, Jess? Oh, I will bet you I will. I think I got one earlier today and I might have actually bought the book. 
which means I will read it in 2022. But that's another story for another day. I was trying to set you up with a transition. It didn't really work that well. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, do you uh, have you figured out yet where I was trying to lead you? I think I have, but you should like take take the lead and pull it. Should a little I specifically further. tell you? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we have talked before on the podcast about Rom Book Love, which is a Twitter hashtag uh, slash um, just general kind of fun romance social media activity uh, that exists in the I don't know romance world. Yes. Absolutely. And it's, it's a project that's been going on for a while. And I, I think I caught on to it the fastest last year and was really sad that I got so bogged down in everything else that I had to sort of go back with like once a week and just read a week's worth of tweets, which was really good for my like my heart and my soul of like just feeling the joy that everyone else felt, but kind of bad for my TBR. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, so the hashtag is Rom book love it's, and it's, we will make sure to link to it. Yeah. Because it's um, not fully the word book. Yeah. Or fully. Well, it's the word Rom <laughs> and it might be the word love. I don't know. It, yeah. I think, I think, I think Rom and love are exactly as they sound, but book is shortened. Yeah, so we will we will find that for you. But essentially, it's a um, uh, prompt every day by um, Anna Kokoy. I I actually interviewed Anna for Book Riot uh, last July, so July of 2017, um, during one of the Rom Book Love, you know, phenomena, <laughs> uh, and talked to her a little bit about why she did it and what she was doing. And uh, she essentially puts a prompt out and sort of says what you know, so for example i think tomorrow's uh, i saw some folks talking about tomorrow's and i can't remember what today's was although i saw that earlier tomorrow uh, for november 2nd i think the prompt is about fluffy reads fluffy mm-hmm. romance reads um which struck me because that's a thing that jess and i are planning on kind of talking about in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. uh so teaser that's a little bit of a teaser for two weeks from now uh and so or she'll say you know who are your favorite heroines or what is your favorite um or least favorite sex scene or, you know, like just kind of starting a general conversation to get some, some romance recommendations out there. So, um, I was, I was apparently not direct enough in my attempt to, to transition us. It's nice for us to have some room to, to continue to grow in our podcast, uh, here in episode 21, Jess. Especially me who can take something and just let it fly, fly away unless I write it down, which I did not because oh yeah, no. I'm terrible. <laughs> We had somebody once, uh, I may have said this before on our show, we had someone once offer us the feedback that we really needed to tighten up our script. And I was like, I'm actually going to take that as a compliment that you think we even have a script. Yes. So <laughs> good for us. Thanks, person. Exactly. Um, so anyway, that was our second piece of housekeeping that we wanted to let you know is that Rom Book Love is is happening here this November of 2018. Make sure you participate. Uh, and housekeeping item number three is also very exciting. Be excited. The great big romance read sponsored by our good friends at the ripped bodice is happening this December. And you may not know what the great big romance read is. (laughs) Uh, that's fair. Uh, Jess, would you like to tell people? What the Great Big Romance Read is? I sure can. The Great Big Romance Read is a collective of romance-related and other sort of romance-friendly book clubs across... Is it the world? Because I feel like it's not just the U.S. So I'm looking at the um, list of... And I... This time I actually kind of set Jess up for failure in, <laughs> accidentally um, because I was the one who had pulled up the the flyer. And so I'm looking at the flyer and the only places that are listed are in the U.S. But uh, a lot of the action and excitement is going on in um, the Internet. Yes. So, yeah. So it's a book club read happening across I think we could say across the world because we know a lot of you are not in the U.S. And mm-hmm. so we are participating. The When in Romance podcast from Book Riot is listed on that flyer um, along with our friends. Uh, we have got, I mean, Politics and Prose, which is a bookstore we've talked about here. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fountain Bookstore in Richmond, Virginia is one that I've been to. Um, obviously, the Rip Bodice is a place that we've talked about many a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will make sure that we're linking to that, too. But the idea essentially is that it's a shared book club read. So we've done a couple of book club reads we're about to talk about Intercepted by Alexa Martin here on this podcast. But um, 
yeah, it's essentially just an opportunity for us to do uh, a joint read with a bunch of other folks, right? Yes, and I'm excited. And I am excited to read the book, which if you are a texture person, is delightful to hold. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know that. It's got... I've only seen it. It's got rigid. It's like layered and textured and... Yeah, if you if you like raised lettering, you'll enjoy this. And who doesn't love raised lettering? <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, just to end the suspense, the book is Pride by E.B. Zaboy. Uh, so we will link to that too so that you can all get your hands on it. Um, and we will be, Jess and I will be reading it and hopefully all of you will too. We will be discussing it on the episode of our podcast that aired, that drops December 17th. So we will record it on the 13th of December and then... Um, it will drop into your podcatcher the 17th after that. So December 17th. So you have some time because mm-hmm. um, this one will land uh, on November. Today is the first. Fifth. So like approximately 5th. Oh, yeah. So maybe the 17th is a Sunday. So I don't know. The 17th, 18th, somewhere in that time. Whatever's a Monday. <laughs> if you look at your calendar and look for a Monday, uh, that is when this the Pride podcast will. So anyway, we're really excited. We're, we, as we've talked about before, we... Um, are huge fans of and friends of the Rift Bodice, and we're, we're really excited to be a part of this. Uh, and, you know, like I said, if you look at this list of folks who are participating in the read, um, it's a lot of folks that we have a lot of respect for as well. Yes, absolutely. And if you happen to be in any, in any of the locations where they're holding actual local book chats, like, we definitely encourage you to go to that. There are some bookstores, some libraries, like, it's all all over. So just check out the website, which I imagine will be linked to in the show notes. It will. And look at the participating groups and see who you can talk about the book with. And it's happening all through December. So there's a good chance that some of those discussions will be happening before we have our discussions. So if you hear something or think up something that happens before we've had our chat, let us know because we would love to, to loop that in. That's part of the fun of having a what did we say? Worldwide? Worldwide. Uh, a worldwide uh, book club conversation. Awesome. So that is, I think I like that. Is that the end of our housekeeping and follow-up? I believe it is. I believe it is. So now let's let's thank some folks. Let's do it. All right. So this episode of When in Romance is brought to you in part by Lies, Love, and Breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, sponsored by Shadow Mountain Publishing, who is the company that publishes that particular book. Sylvia Bradshaw is ready to be treated as an equal and prove her worth as one of Hollywood's newest film editors. Ooh, someone who works in Hollywood. I love stories about people who work in Hollywood but aren't actors. Like, nice. It's, it's really interesting. Um, she and Ben Mason had worked together as editors before Sylvia got her big break. So he's the perfect person to ask for feedback on her first major film. But as their friendship begins to blossom into something more, ooh, a lawsuit surfaces, uh oh, jeopardizing both Ben and Sylvia's jobs as well as their fledgling romance. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, with everything to lose, Sylvia meets Ben for breakfast at his favorite diner, Tiffany's. Because, of course, you have to f- figure out a way to fit in the title. But, um, I mean, I don't know which one went which direction. Either way. Uh, for one last conversation before the credits roll on True Love. Oh, man. Um, so, I love that. So, like, the, it looks like not only are they... Um, people who work in the same kind of um, industry, but apparently they are also competitors. So this is kind of a forbidden romance story. Um, and it also like talks a little bit about women working in Hollywood. So I'm really interested in that. Um, and especially because like our, our little thing says that, um, are women considered to just be pretty faces in Hollywood? I mean, we we talk about this all the time, right? I think I just read something about um, Rebel Wilson's rom-com having to be set in an alternate universe. Even though, I mean, she's a gorgeous woman, but there's the whole thing about like people who are shaped like Audrey Hepburn and people who are not, right? Um, so anyway... Um, if you're interested in a film industry romance, 
about people who aren't actors, I would check out Lies, Love, and Breakfast in Tiffany's, published by Shadow Mountain Publishing, uh, written by Julie Wright. And you can find the author, Julie Wright, on Instagram at Scattered Jewels. And she's also on Facebook and Twitter at the same thing. And if you're curious what else Shadow Mountain is putting out, you can check them out at Shadow, Mount- Shadow Mountain Publishing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And also click through in the show notes just to look at the cover of this book, partly because uh, we're going to be talking about book covers in, I don't know, what do you think, just like 20 minutes? But also because the dress that the heroine is wearing, or the person, the cover model, is wearing on the front of this book is great, and I would buy it. (laughs) And also she's wearing black gloves, which look really good too. I don't know. I really like the cover of this book, and uh, I think it's going to fit in in some ways to the discussion that we're having later on. Oh, man. That's more of a teaser, <laughs> although that one's going to pay off sooner than the one that's about the conversation we're having in two weeks. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, yeah. Just you know, giving the people what they want. <sighs> I mean, speaking of giving the people what they want, shall we finally have our full conversation about a book that we have maybe been teasing in some ways since before we were even using its title? Yeah, and I, I remind me of what that title is trisha uh i think you're talking about intercepted by alexa martin intercepted uh, by yes, alexa martin a, a book that yeah we have been discussing for some time if you are a latecomer to the podcast the reason <laughs> that we make this joke all the time some people do not like it we've gotten that feedback more people are very excited about it and are happy to be part of the joke and so we're ha- we're going to just keep doing it. We don't care. Yeah. Uh, but so what happened was that I had recommended this book several episodes ago. I don't know. Gosh, probably four or five months ago. Um, and we were talking about books that we were excited about that were coming out in 2019. And I described Intercepted and talked about um, how excited I was that it was coming out, but forgot to actually use the name of the book. So then in the next episode of When in Romance, I made a point to use it many, many times. So... Um, Anyway, it eventually ended up being our book club pick for the month of November, or I don't know, just right now, <laughs> um, which is why we are going to discuss it. And Jess, I, this was a book that I had read that you had not. Absolutely. So I am curious if you had initial thoughts or observations or feelings. Did you even like this book? I did. I really like this book. I'll tell you, I was vaguely hesitant going in because I had had some conversations on um, our insiders book right insiders channel um, where we were ta- where we talk about romance too so come on over mm-hmm. um, and um, some people didn't like Marley as a character there were a couple people who were like I couldn't get into it but I don't like football so um so I was kind of like will will I be okay with this book just because there were various people who didn't hate it but weren't into it um Mm -hmm. I like football so that wasn't gonna be a problem for me but um I just wasn't sure and then I started reading it and three pages in I was like I love Marley and I want her to be my best friend forever so that was yeah that was easy and then I just ate the rest of the book yeah I think that's an interesting point because I actually also heard from some folks who are not as not super excited people to me so the only other book that we've done a a, you know quote-unquote book club discussion about is Butterfly Swords and I think for me, the feedback that I heard about Intercepted was just more passionate either way. Mm. The people who this book was not for them uh, were just more kind of felt more negatively about it. And the people who were excited about this book were more excited about it. Mm -hmm. And I think what you zeroed in on is a really important point, which is in part because I, my theory is that in part because it was a first person narration book Mm -hmm. and this book i think is really more marley's story and and i'm not saying that doesn't mean it's a romance it's definitely a romance yeah but because it's first person narration completely from marley's perspective this is marley's book Mm -hmm. so if if you're if marley is a character who is one that you are a fan of you're probably gonna be into this book yeah and if marley is not one that you can connect with then you probably aren't. Yeah. Right? So I heard some of the same stuff you did about football or like being into football or not being into football um, and a few other criticisms that, that we'll get into. But I really think that 
you know, unlike Butterfly Swords and unlike some of the other, you know, books just that we've talked about generally, the first person narration, I think, makes a really big difference. Mm -hmm. And I'm with you in that I liked Marley and I thought she was funny and I liked the narrative tone of it and just kind of the way that um, Alexa Martin does it, just kind of a conversational style that made me feel like the character of Marley was talking to me kind of as a friend and, you know, not confidant, but maybe confidant a little bit. Uh Uh-huh, definitely. Um, I don't know, like, I was able to connect with that. But I think if I hadn't been, this book would have been kind of a slog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And, you know, to go back to something you were saying earlier about, like, it being Marley's story, I will be honest, if I did not know that you had read this book and did not know and trust the people at Berkeley and uh, about how they promoted this book, there was a point in time where I might have been afraid that I was about to get burned like I have, and it wasn't going to end like a romance. Because so it's Marley's story, and Marley had some stuff to, to deal with. And then I was like, so this is good for her. And I've definitely read some what we would call chiclet because that is where how it's cl- classified now where you're in a romantic relationship and you're following through it and you're invested and then all of a sudden the heroine needs to take care of her and that's how it ends mm, i see what you're saying so yeah this is probably the point in the episode where we should say uh heads up everyone we're gonna spoil parts of this book so if you have not read it and are interested in reading it unspoiled, uh, fast forward, uh, I would say like seven or eight minutes, knowing me and Jess, probably like 10 or 12. Um, just and check we, in. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just check in and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but um, so now hit your forward button. Great. Whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So there are a couple of places in this book where Marley asserts her independence, which is another theme that's important. But I think maybe and you should make sure you clarify just but i think you're talking about the fact that towards the end of this book marley leaves Mm -hmm. uh, gavin who's the hero yeah and and i was totally all for that because i believe in that whole concept of i need some me time i need to understand who i am i need to figure out how to live by myself like all of that kind of stuff um, I was just like, I know this is a romance and I know that there's an, an HEA, but even though, even knowing that I will get to the end and some kind of way they will have come back together in my soul, I'm like fearing for that actually happening. And so like, that was, that was one of those things that is, it was probably the most memorable aspect of the way that this whole plot runs together. And we can talk about that later after we talk about a few other things, especially if we want to like not jump to the end. Um, but <laughs> yeah, maybe we should tell people what happens in this book. Yeah. So Marley. <laughs> so at the beginning of this book, Marley is the uh, girlfriend of an NFL player uh, named Calvin. I don't know. He sucks. He's the worst. Um, is that even his name? I don't know. He's the worst. I don't think oh, Chris. it's Chris. His name's Chris. That's not even his name. <laughs> he's so dumb. Like, I can't even be troubled to keep his name in my memory. Um, but he's awful. And she, they've been together for a really long time. Either since she, maybe since she was in high school, since they were in high school. So mm-hmm. I think for them, that's about 10 years. Like, they've been together for about a decade. Um, and she, he's now an NFL player. And she has essentially followed him and kind of does the quote-unquote good NFL girlfriend slash partner things where she hosts parties and goes to all the games and uh, he plays for an NFL team called the Mustangs which I think is sort of loosely based off of the Broncos if you get it (laughs) Mustangs and Broncos are both kinds of horses or names for horses I don't really know a lot about horses um so anyway uh she does those things, and the other lady Mustangs are all married. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So um, that's you know a thing, and they're all making her feel bad about not being engaged. And anyway, long story short, um, she she finds out that 
not Calvin. What did we just say his name was? It's Chris, sweetie. It's Chris. Chris. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, not Calvin is cheating on him. And, um, Can we just call him worst. not Calvin for the rest? Yeah, let's just call him not Calvin. Uh, so he is cheating on her. He's terrible. And when she finds out he's cheating on her, his new very like handsome, suave, about to save the day teammate named Gavin, which is probably why I was calling him Calvin. Like <laughs> he's like Bizarro Gavin. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so he's great, and he comes and he's like, "No, you, I will move you out of this house because he is terrible." And um, anyway, so they start dating. Although Marley does, as you were saying, Jess, kind of immediately realize that after having been with not Calvin for so long, she really does have to assert her independence and kind of start her own life because she's for her entire adult life has been in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she, she's, she's not like a kept woman as, as someone who is like complete, not completely useless, but like she, she has this, the beginnings of knowing how to be independent and it's all, it's so good to see her, become more and more independent and just, you know, live without all of that, even though it hurts to watch the like immediate after effects of the, of the need to be independent, like, and, and watching like the whole idea of looking back and seeing like, of course he put his name on her car and all of that kind of stuff. And just being like, uh, um yeah <laughs> i don't know how to spell that so um yeah mm-hmm. y- you know what but yeah well yeah <laughs> um so did i forget any major plot points like that's i mean that's where this starts is that she's dating this guy and there is part of the reason that i went into the, the some of the detail with the football stuff is that all of these lady mustangs are are kind of terrible. They are. Which is a, it's not one of them. She has one close friend named Naomi who seems nice. Yeah. And the the, the thing about the Lady Mustangs is not every um, football wife on the team is part of this group. They are sort of like the elite philanthropic group of the of the the team wives and one girlfriend um, who, you know, they do charity events and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, some of them are doing it because it's the thing they should be doing for their image. Um, And Marley actually cares. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so there's that also one key plot point that is actually like very only lightly touched upon in the book except for the mild conflict at the beginning of marley and gavin's relationship is the fact that they did sleep together before um oh yeah honestly i forgot about that marley and chris had broken up we don't we don't know any details about that either like they were on a break and marley was in the same town as Gavin and thought he was an investment banker and they slept together and never saw each other again. So like that's kind of in the past. One thing that's really interesting about this story is that since Marley is narrating it first person, we just kind of know what she tells us. We're dropped into the story. We don't get a lot of background um, Mm -hmm. on some things, more background on some things than on others. And some things are just inferred. Um, so whatever happened that caused the first breakup and get back together and need to sleep with someone else, we don't know. Um, but we know that she already finds Gavin attractive and he already finds her attractive. So that's an easy way to just kind of slide in to their, um, really quick, easy dating structure. Yeah. And I think it's meant to suggest that there is a very easy chemistry between the two of them. And there does seem to be a very quick and easy chemistry between the two of them. I think the fact that that is a thing that happened and that frankly, like I said, I completely forgot about (laughs) is one of the signs that although I really like this book and although I think it's a a very strong debut. Alexa Martin is another author um, who is a debut author. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think, again, I think it's a strong debut. I think there are a couple of things, and and maybe when we talk a little bit more about the end of the book, we can 
talk about this too. I think there are some signs that this is a first book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to come back at least briefly to the Lady Mustangs and the, and the dynamic between the women in this book because it's a thing that I heard about from some people. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, someone who I um, who is a you know regular respondent to some of our one in romance. Uh, conversation who I don't want to mention by name because the conversation we had was over direct message on Instagram mm-hmm. um, who, who this book was who is not a fan of this book um, was not super I think into Marley who was one of those people who was like I realized I am not at all into sports romance and I don't <laughs> care about it um, but also was kind of just not about the pettiness between the women in this book mm-hmm. and another person that I talked to kind of referred to it as bullying mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a really good and interesting point. I think it's an also a time where it's interesting to bring up the point that Alexa Martin is actually a football wife mm-hmm. in real life. That is her background. Her husband played in the NFL for several years. So she's not making – this is an own voices book in that <laughs> sense. Like she has seen this and has this experience. Mm-hmm. And so who knows how much she dramatized it, right? Like right. That's, absolutely. It's fiction. She's allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. But – I was, I get that, right? Like, I understand, like, it was, some of these scenes were kind of hard to, it was hard to imagine that someone like, I think it was Courtney was the head Mm -hmm. mean girl, essentially. You would like to think that these kind of women don't exist in the real adult world, but I think some of us have encountered these kinds of women. Like, Mm -hmm. they're just sort of awful. So, I don't know. I think I was a little bit torn on that because I didn't love reading about them, but I also appreciate that they do exist. Yeah, and like I was glad that it wasn't one of those situations where everyone except the main character is terrible because yeah. it's it it could have led that way. Like you know, even even in the Lady Mustangs like she has her BFF, but not everyone else in the group is a bully, although most of them do defer to Courtney maybe because they are afraid of her. Um, And then not everyone... The other thing I was really glad for was not all of the other uh, team members were assholes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it could have been one of those situations where everyone was like Chris, or not not Calvin, um, whatever we're going to call him. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Same guy. It's fine. And (laughs) then... He has multiple names. Gavin, the, the... white quarterback comes in and saves the day and like that had me kind of hesitant but then it was like oh okay there are really good people on all sides (laughs) Mm -hmm. um of all shapes and colors Mm -hmm. so um and you know that's not something that i wouldn't expect of a black author um especially who's you know who's trying to look at people of all kinds and, and um, represent them. But it is something that could just happen in an unfortunate way by accident. Um, and yeah. I was glad to see that that wasn't the case because there were times I was afraid. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And I think that's a very, yeah, I think that's very fair to, yes, there was not just two good people in this book. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to have some people who are as sort of like, quote unquote, villainous as some of the people in this book are, uh, you really have to have some other people who are not. And between, um, you know, Naomi, who we mentioned, who's a friend of uh, Marley's and also her boss, uh, Bryn, I think is her name. She's Mm -hmm. lovely. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, TK, who is the wide receiver for the Mustangs, uh, he, he is the hero in book number two yay fumbled which is coming out next year uh it is possibly a second chance romance i will say nothing more about that because i don't want to spoil anything but uh (laughs) you might want to check that one out too um so we'll yeah we'll almost definitely be talking about that when it comes out um but yeah and i you know we don't want to like go on and on about this book but i i do think it is worth noting kind of talking a little bit about how it wraps up and i the two things that i think are are kind of worth talking about a little bit are first of all the way that um marley gavin kind of messes up you know like he 
makes some pretty big decisions Mm -hmm. without Marley. She calls him out on it. And his way of fixing it is sort of just to fix it by himself without consulting her again. Mm. And so she walks away from him in a very real way. So for multiple months, they are apart. Um, And I really, I appreciated that. Like I appreciated the way that, as I think I talked a little bit about a couple of weeks ago, it can be really difficult to establish a narrative of independence I think particularly for women in romance Mm -hmm. because romance is by its nature so much about partnership and two people and can very quickly become about dependence. And it can be really hard to create a a narrative of independence for women. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will also say, I think kind of the simplicity of the narrative and the ways that Gavin messed up were a little bit surprising and maybe even, just a little out of character for him. Like, (laughs) I don't know. That was the one place where I felt like maybe some of the storytelling and character development went a little bit, was a little bit weaker. And I think, again, that's probably, it's, you know, it's a debut author that happens. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it was, it was a little over the top, but I don't think it was out of character. There were, there were times that built and built and built of her saying, let me do my thing. And he'd be like, okay, sure. And then not. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't surprising to see him do all of these things in an effort to help the process along because it seems Mm -hmm. like he's the type who just wants things to be easy, especially for Marley. And and obviously these are the things that she would want. Yeah. No, I think so. So, you yeah. know, there were there were missteps, but I don't think it was too out of the character. It was dramatic, but Gavin could get dramatic, uh, like from the first moment. Oh yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> and I think maybe for me, part of it too. And I think this was intentional and very well done. In the beginning parts, like there's a scene at um, a fundraiser where I found that, like, very heroic. I was like, he got very dramatic and was, you know, telling people off on her behalf and whatever, and I was like, yeah, you should do that. <laughs> and then later I was like, no, now you need to just settle down a little bit. You're, it's too much. Yeah. You need to stop. Um, but, you know, I yeah, so I think, I no, I, I take your point. I think it makes sense. And I, um, I was rereading a parts of it earlier today, and they do kind of, it's not just an immediate one dramatic scene. She does a good job with that kind of, last you know quarter or so of the book where there's kind of some back and forth where he messes up mm-hmm. and she calls him on it and he kind of tries to fix it and she he messes up again and tries to apologize two weeks later like or four weeks later you know like there mm-hmm. is some back and forth it's not just a one dramatic scene and they just don't speak for six months so <laughs> i think that i think that makes sense so when you're so here's a, a note to producers when you're creating this for film Please do not turn it into one dramatic moment and they don't speak for six months. Oh, when, yeah. I feel like maybe you should just produce this movie, Jess. <laughs> I can do that. That's- yeah, that's probably, honestly, that's probably just our shortest sign for success. It's <laughs> probably the way to go. There we go. All right. Um, I called it. All right. Well, that's, I mean, I don't think we have a better way to end this conversation than by just assigning Jess a producer credit on the intercepted film. Yes. Thank you. Coming to theaters in, I don't know, you're pretty busy, maybe like 2021. Maybe five. 2025. 2025. All right. That's fine. That's fine. She's, you know, we've got some, yeah, that's seven years. That's about right. I think that makes sense. Um, all right. Well, do let us know what all of you thought of this book, because uh, you obviously now know what we think of it. We know that people have kind of came down in various places, but um, knowing sort of some of the nuance behind that would be really interesting for all of us. So uh, let us know. And Absolutely. Yeah. Any parting thoughts, Jess, or is that are we kind of? I think we can move on. All right. Well, let me uh, tell everyone about. Another sponsor for this week's podcast. Awesome. All right. Our other sponsor for this week's podcast is Shades of Wicked by Janine Frost. Uh, Master Vampire Ian has made many enemies over 200 years, including Dagon, a demon who now lays claim to his soul. Hmm. So that would be an enemy, right? That's... (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Um, Ian's only chance to escape is to join forces with law guardian, a law guardian, sorry, but he's never been able to abide by the rules for long. And, you know, that's fair. Uh, Veritas, uh, wait, oh, sorry, I lost my place. He's never been mm-hmm. able to abide by the rules for long. Veritas's normal rule, role is police, judge, and jury to reprobates like Ian, but she has her own axe to grind with Dagon. She, as she uses Ian as bait for the demon, Veritas realizes his devil-may-care image hides something more powerful, and Ian discovers Veritas has secrets of her own. Mm. First there was the Night Huntress, then the Night Prince, now meet the Night Rebel. I mean, you know, I feel like... This is actually also helping me get a little bit closer to my New Year's resolution because you know, there you go. We're, we're yeah, we're very clearly into some level of paranormal uh, or fantasy here. Um, first introduced as the Bone Sire in the Night Huntress series, fans have been clamoring for more of Ian, and now the sexy and ruthless master vampire has met his own or has his own series matching wits, wits against Veritas. <laughs> uh, so. You should be definitely checking out Shades of Wicked by Janine Frost. I feel like we've talked about Janine's books before on the podcast. And so um, I this one sounds kind of like we have found a vampire and potentially demon who <laughs> have, you know, a force to be reckoned with. Speaking Absolutely. of independence and coupling and romance. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks so much to Shades of Wicked by Janine Frost for sponsoring the show. Uh, All right. So, boy, we have so many things. All right. So uh, we had wanted to talk, speaking partly because Intercepted had such a lovely and glorious cover and because folks are so excited to talk about book covers, Mm -hmm. we want to talk a little bit about book covers here on When in Romance. We did. And this in part came from, you know, conversations that everyone's been having about the evolution of book covers and romance book covers versus modern romance book covers and all of these other things. And then this article came out, um, actually, it was a while ago, a couple weeks ago, October 11th, because it is now November, y'all. And the title of the article from Refinery29 was How These Instagrammable Book Covers Are Tricking People Into Reading Romance. And I will be honest, I looked at that title and just clicked away and didn't bother reading the article. But then I decided maybe I should read the article. Maybe I should see what people are talking about. (laughs) And um, I decided to pick up this article and um, scared the other people in the room who were watching a sporting event while I was reading it by just yelling things aloud um, and then going back to reading. Sure. It was, it was lots of fun. Um, I will tell you, I love the new cover trend This that some publishers, particularly Berkeley, are putting out. I really enjoy the covers. Um, I don't like the fact that people think that they can only read romance if they have these covers and not some of the gorgeous covers and some of the less gorgeous, maybe more ab-filled, maybe more clutchy covers that romance is known for. Yeah, I mean, I think, so the the distinction that is at play, at least in the conversation in the refinery article that Jess is talking about is, um, so books like intercepted and the kiss quotient, we've talked about a lot about the wedding date, which we talked more about, um, at the beginning of the year, cause that's when it came out, frankly, um, mm-hmm. which as Jess mentioned, those three are all Berkeley titles, although there are some others. Um, the hating game, I think is one, mm-hmm. uh, some of the Christina Lauren books are also, um, Christina Lauren are, it's an author. Um, are also kind of in this realm. The books are less to people who are in an embrace in various, you know, usually some state of dress, but maybe there's, you know, some unbuttoned things or, you know, whatever. Um, I think these are a little bit more abstract. So like in intercepted, what you have is an not 
like a it's a graphic as opposed to an actual cover model, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Kiss Quotient has again graphic people standing on a, um, I think it's like a square root sign or some sort of mathematical symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, the wedding date again is I think characters and profile, so it's less actual cover models and more sort of a graphic design approach. And I think as this article points out, it's in many ways meant to mimic more of the, um, I hate this term, women's fiction. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to use contemporary fiction instead. A contemporary (laughs) fiction cover, which is meant to suggest to readers who haven't traditionally read romance uh, that this is more in their realm. Uh, And I don't. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Because I'm with you, Jess. I like the covers. I kind of feel like people should be able to do whatever they want on their covers. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's literally a cliche of don't judge a book by – or I guess it's not a cliche, but it's, a, it's, it's the a, term. It's a saying. It's yeah. a saying. Don't judge a book by its cover. And yet we're having this whole conversation about how people judge books by their covers. What does that mean? What does it mean for these books? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, I like I said, I really like these covers and I have trouble phys- reading physical mass market paperbacks like my hand starts to hurt so I can't hold them very long. Um and I like trade paperbacks size books. And most of the books with these kinds of covers have are are that size book. So mm-hmm. there's that. I like that. I am happy about that. One thing that um this article asserts, and that a lot of people that I've talked to assert have asserted, was the whole thing about, like you said, um, people who don't normally reading romance being more comfortable picking up this book, being more drawn to romance by books that don't read as romance from the cover, right? But they might also, in hearkening back to our conversation about Intercepted, put off regular romance readers who have been burned by books this size with this kind of cover before who think they're reading about a romantic relationship that ends happily, but it doesn't. And so (laughs) maybe they don't want to pick up this kind of book because they have tried it and not enjoyed the outcome. Well, you know what's funny, though, is I think the the opposite is also true because this article and and other either posts or articles or Twitter feeds or whatever that I've seen has suggested the opposite, which is that, uh, you know, there are readers who pick up these books thinking that they are going to be some kind of contemporary fiction and then are very surprised and uh, appalled by the sex scenes. <laughs> oh no, right? sex. I know. And well, and I think that the question that I had about that was sort of, um, is there any other genre that we count on to flag content in the same way that we count on romance to flag content through its cover. And I think that question bears out both for your point and for mine, Mm -hmm. right? So how much responsibility should romance bear for, you know, explaining what the content, what you're going to find inside of a book purely through the cover if we're not Mm -hmm. asking the same of a mystery book or a um, suspense or a sci-fi or just literary fiction or nonfiction or anything else, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't pick up, and this may just be me because I, to be fair, I don't read a lot of crime thrillers or anything else, but Mm -hmm. I don't pick up a book and know automatically where there's, whether there's going to be, you know, graphic violence in it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think someone should necessarily pick up a book see, you know, two people on the cover who are embracing, one of whom has two buttons unbuttoned and think, well, there's sex in this book for sure. So I'm going to go. (laughs) Like, that's, like I said, I don't think that that's necessarily, I don't think it's necessarily a fair expectation to make an Mm -hmm. assumption based on a cover. Yeah, that's totally true. Um, Because at the end of the day, a pretty cover is a pretty cover. And like we were talking about Duchess by Design, and that cover is gorgeous. And if that book was a hardcover book, someone might think, oh, this is a 
gritty history of the gilded the gilded era you know you just never know because it's just a woman in a purple dress like <laughs> well and i think that's an interesting point also is that we're increasingly seeing more and more um single women on mm-hmm. books so i'm looking at uh uh, if we have time, we will also discuss some of the Goodreads Choice Romance uh, nominees for um, romance, romance nominees for, I don't know, like Goodreads Choice Best Book of 2018, whatever. And <laughs> Lisa Claypus's Hello Stranger is on that list, and it is just a single woman. Sarah McLean's Wicked in the Wallflower is on that list. It is also just one single woman. I think, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, the Maya Rodale um, I don't immediately recall, recall that cover, but based on what you're saying and based on what I'm remembering, it's also just one single woman. So I think even the historicals, which are much less likely to have this new sort of contemporary style of cover, are also moving in that direction of mm-hmm. just have of, of not being two people in an embrace with some shirtless dude and some woman's, you know, breasts popping out of her corset. I don't even know what the terms are of yeah lady garments whatever um but and of course there's also the fact that those covers are lots of fun too oh yeah there's nothing wrong with any of the covers and i am not the like hyper sexed human that people apparently think um romance readers are especially according to this article that i will refer to again where um one of the um reviewers who was interviewed um talks about being told that they shouldn't read those kinds of books in public because they're pornography um based on the cover of -hmm. course um because heaven forbid you know people scantily clothed embrace each other in public it's not like anybody has ever been to the beach um and and part of that is just because i don't care um and i know that there are people who do and they don't want to be talked to on the street about what they're reading and they don't want to be judged as someone who is less than for their choices of enjoyment Um, so I acknowledge that. I know that there are people who have historically been hesitant and might still be hesitant to pick up a really raunchy looking traditional style, Johanna Lindsay woman hanging from the man's arms kind of book, um, and read it on the bus or on a park bench. Um, but there, there is something to be said about like you were talking about telegraphing what this book is. Yeah. Well, and I think too, as much as there's the implication for what a reader does or does not want to pick up or, you know, and understanding that, I think there's also something to be said for what the benefit is for an author when a reader is more likely to pick their book up, right? Because oh, absolutely. if an author is more likely to pick up a copy of Intercepted or The Kiss Quotient or The Wedding Date or, you know, any of the other hating game, I think that is of a benefit, whether or not it should be, like, right, whether or not we, we as a society should be more willing to pick up a, you know, you know, embracing couple versus not an embracing couple. The reality is people may or may not be willing to do that. And people have to make this financial and business decision. And mm-hmm. authors, romance authors shouldn't just be responsible for like bearing the brunt of social expectation. Right? But the, the other reality is, as you mentioned, these books are more likely to be uh, sold as trade paperbacks, which are the the larger version of a paperback as opposed to the mass market, which are kind of the, the smaller, like, you know, six or seven inch, maybe not even seven, like five or seven inch um, versions of a book, kind of just like the the larger style paperback. And they cost more. And particularly Mm -hmm. what I have noticed over the course of the last year is that the correlation is that the Kindle versions of those books cost more. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because you and I had that conversation, we were talking about our book club and Intercepted, which we were excited for people to read. But we also knew that the Kindle version of that book as a new release cost a couple of dollars more than mm-hmm. most romance fans were used to paying even for a new release. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is not to say that it shouldn't romance authors, just like any other author should get paid for their work. But 
if part of the reason why they're able to charge a little bit more is because these covers allow them to sell more books at a higher cost, then mm-hmm. I'm not going to begrudge someone that decision, even if I kind of feel weird that they have to make it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, it, it also goes back to that question, though, of who is buying the bigger book? Like, I know someone who would probably rather buy three new mass markets than a trade paperback book. It's mm-hmm. not all, that's not always the correlation. Sometimes it's two. Um, yeah. and, and then a Kindle book that's on sale. Um, yeah. And, you know, I am sometimes even hesitant, like maybe it's like, maybe I'll wait for that to go on sale on Kindle. Or if I'm really excited about it, I will buy it immediately because that's just how I am. Um, but I also have the funds to, to do that. And, uh, you know, mass markets are cheaper for libraries to get, and they might get more copies of a mass market book, um, unless they think that they will have more greater circulation of a trade paperback that doesn't look like a romance. So there's all kinds of all kinds of questions. This is another one of those conversations that's just complicated and weavy. And we could go on and on and on, but we are already a little a bit over little time. Over. <laughs> and we wanted to talk about let's let's at least spend so we probably have like we can spend 5 minutes talking about Goodreads Choice Awards. Speaking of some books that are some books that are in this category of being uh, a little bit on the you know higher end of of maybe um, the market, but also having fancy covers and still being romance books, but also some books that that were mass market paperbacks. And um, you know what is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book that has an exciting cover and is also a mass market paperback. Is it a princess in theory? Is it a princess in theory? Yes, it is. I knew it. There were 15 <laughs> books for me to choose from, and I picked the right one. Uh, so the Goodreads Choice Awards for 2018 came out. You can all vote. By the time this episode drops, you will have missed the first round of voting, so you won't be able to write anything in. But you'll be able to vote for round two. Um, and I don't know, just so 15 books are out right now. Uh, we will link to whatever is still left in the show notes, you'll be able to see what the opening round nominees were. Mm -hmm. I actually felt better about this list of 15 than I usually feel about the lists that come out from the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, there are always going to be books that I really don't care about and I'm surprised they've made it. Um, But I also know how broad and broadly, Minded the romance reading community is, especially on Goodreads. Um, but a lot of my favorites from the year were there, and it was it was actually really hard for me to make a decision. So let me ask you this: Do you think that Goodreads is a more inclusive pop? Because I, as discussed on our New Year's resolution episode, I'm still trying to make my way into being a presence on Goodreads. Do you <laughs> feel like Goodreads is a better? Um, represent like a more inclusive representation than other you know than like say because like the publisher's weekly list also came out within the last couple of weeks and honest to god i don't even remember what was on it i remember thinking like i don't this is fine i remember one author on that publisher's weekly list and that's because she was the author who linked to the publisher's weekly list Mm. um and i haven't read the newest of her book although i enjoyed the other two i'm not sure if i would consider it one of the best of the year but i don't know if the publisher's weekly one was only those that were reviewed by publishers weekly and like the whole um paid not paid um professional review site thing publishers weekly uh kirkus reviews all of those is just a little weird because they don't access all of the books that are released so Mm -hmm. i think i think as far as like really getting a broad sense of what is out there goodreads is actually really really good Mm -hmm. um because anything that is published on Amazon or Sourcebooks ends up on Goodreads some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, also published by by like publishers. But right. across the board, if it's 
big five, if it's indie publishing, if it's Amazon, if it's source books, if it's fan fiction, sometimes um, it's on Goodreads. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that allows for them to pull from a lot of things. Like I was actually really surprised that from Lukov with love was on there just because even though I have heard a million people talking about it, even though I haven't read it myself, I did not realize that it was quite as popular as it apparently was. Yeah, and so in case folks are wondering, the way that this list came about is Goodreads uh, generates the first round. So they take a look at everything that is kind of on the realm of romance, you know, for this category. There are other categories to go on, look at them all, rate whatever, vote on whatever you want. Um, mm-hmm. But they put together the list of first 15. It has to be, um, a, it has to have a rating of 3.5 stars or higher at the time of the launch. Only one book per series per category can get nominated, but an author can have more than one book. So, for example, um, Alyssa Cole's uh, book uh, – oh, now my tabs won't load. What It's A Princess in Theory was on the list, but her second one was not eligible because A Princess in Theory was on the list. Mm. That said, I think – I don't think her second – book in her civil war series came out this year house divided i think is the book but if it had it could have been on the list so you know yeah it's a different um, series right because it was a different series so anyway i just thought that was kind of an interesting distinction particularly for romance because so many authors will have so more than one book and Mm -hmm. um in a series come out rather more than one book and more than one series so you know um, Talia Hibbert, for example, is someone who I noticed was not on the list and who could have been, um, and honestly, she could have been on here like four or five times because she had so <laughs> many books come out. Um, and that was, and I actually was really excited about this list for a number of reasons. I, I thought it was generally super representative in a lot of ways, although I would have liked to have seen more queer representation. Yes. Uh, yes. I was impressed by the amount of at least two of the books on this list, and I only... You mentioned from Lukov with Love, the other one, the um, Kristen Ashley book, uh, which is uh, The Hookup, I clicked out of the list. Um, But both of those were um, indie published books. Uh, Some of the others might have been as well, but those are just the two that I know. Um, I would have liked to have seen Rafe by Rebecca Weatherspoon get on the list. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have liked to have seen um, at least one of the, well, only one could have been on there, but one of the uh, Ana Zabo books on the list. Mm -hmm. Oh, Um, yeah. And I mentioned the Talia Hibbert. I would like to have seen something from Talia Hibbert get on the list. But by and large, uh, this is a, you know, it's a good list. We mentioned the Kiss Quotient. We mentioned the Wedding Date. Um, those are both on here. Summer Clean's Wicked in the Wallflower is on here. It's a great book. Uh, Christina Lauren's Roomies is on here. So there are, I mean, all of, I've read five of the 15 books on the list. The ones that I've read, I enjoyed all of those. Good. Yay. I have, I have not read five, but I have read enough to make a decision which sometimes doesn't happen i think the last couple years have been like such mainstream titles that Mm -hmm. i i couldn't even say that i had read any of them because i discovered at some point recently that i really i really read a very limited amount of mainstream except those things that are so in my face that i have to pick them up (laughs) Well, and it's interesting, right? Like some of the like one of the books on this list is the sixteenth in the series. <laughs> uh, it's you know the J.R. Ward, the Thief mm-hmm. book is the sixteenth in the the Black Dagger series. Like so, there's just so much romance that this is probably the first time that I've ever read a third of the books on any romance list. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I we it's it's an interesting list. It's I think a, a fairly good combination of you know voting amongst people and also industry generated but i don't know i'd be interested to hear what other people think absolutely so so yeah let us know um what you have read on this list what you like on this list what you voted for on this list and didn't vote for but continue but but what they but they got to the next round anyway yeah Um, i'm excited to see that because Mm -hmm. it was really hard yeah yeah we're eventually gonna have to start drilling down to what, what our favorite books of the year are jess 
Oh, no, don't say that. Please don't say that. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, but because we are, we are sort of out of time and we don't really have time for recommendations, I would be interested to hear what people would recommend from this list. I will also say we are planning on talking about Rafe uh, by Rebecca Weatherspoon um, in two weeks. Soon. So, Very yeah. soon. So people should, should read that if you have some time. If you don't, yes. that's okay. We will do a better job of, of summarizing it before we start talking about it than we did with Intercepted. <laughs> Sorry. We're making a little note. We, uh, I just dove right in. Hey, you know what? We were excited. We'd waited a long time to talk about um, Intercepted. So, uh, But do feel free to read that. That can be a recommendation for today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've talked about some other ones throughout the, the, the podcast as well. Um, but, yeah, let us know what you like on the Goodreads list and what you voted for. Let us know um, what you feel, what you think about covers. It's, I feel like you and I are both a little bit unsure of what we think about covers. We kind of yeah. have some mixed feelings. Mixed feelings is a good way to put it. Some, yeah, some depth to our feelings. I feel like we have some depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I think we, you know, uh, also have some depth to our feelings about Intercepted. We, I liked it, and I, but I also recognize um, that there is some depth to those feelings as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I would love to know more about what the rest of you think. Um, I think you would too as well, right, Jess? I would. I would indeed. Um, don't forget about Rom Book Love. Don't forget about um, to to read Pride for the uh, great big – oh, gosh, what are we calling it? The great the romance big read. romance read. Um, I was like, is it GBBR? Great, oh, yeah, the great big romance read um, for December. We're excited to read Pride. Um, so get that ready to go. Uh, and thank you again for all of you who sent out your sci-fi fantasy and paranormal recommendations. Um, you can find me to share all of your thoughts and feelings on Twitter. Uh, actually, I think I'm going to change my Twitter handle to match my Instagram handle just cause it will be easier and we just go long on the podcast all the time. So uh, I'll do it over the weekend before this episode drops. So you can find me, um, at Trisha Haley Brown on both. Probably let's, I make, make, make myself a note to do that. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Jess's Reading and at, on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading because I'm keeping my my underscores. Thank you very much. I think you should. <laughs> I mean, at this point, they're part of your brand. So I think they that's are. right. Yes. Uh, well, thank you all for, you know, being a part of our bookish lives and our uh, romantic bush, bookish lives. Um, and yeah, I think that is that is that it is that a wrap for this I, episode? I think this needs to be a wrap. We've we've gone a while over, so let's just end it here and wait to see what people have to say. I agree. All right, happy reading, everybody. Happy reading. <laughs>